Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Impact the World. And you know, we've almost done a hundred episodes now. And one of the things that I truly love about doing this show is when I am surprised. All of my guests and conversations are very interesting to me and I have experiences, but every now and then one will come along that will just blow me away. And today's show with the brilliant Debbie Brown is one of those. I knew before I had this conversation with Debbie that it was going to be a very important conversation because as I was learning more about her work and feeling into her very unique vibration, I had a feeling that this conversation was going to be special, but it went to so many different places that I wasn't necessarily anticipating. So the energetically sensitive among you will find this a very healing show and the momentum of the energy of it builds as we go. In terms of Debbie's work in the world, she's had a very interesting path through working in radio, then discovering healing and wellness for herself, which led to her becoming chief impact officer at the Chopra Center. And in more recent years, Debbie has become a published author. She has a wonderful podcast called Dropping Gems and is doing a lot of work in the wellness space, also focused on specific issues for people of color and what they might be experiencing around trauma, which we also touch on in this episode. This is a beautiful one. I hope you enjoy. And for those of you who do enjoy our show, it really helps us as an independent show if you either leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening, or if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe to the channel and you will never miss a show when a new one comes out. Please join me with Debbie Brown. Debbie, it is so nice to have you here. Thank you for being here for this conversation and already talking to you before we get started. It's like, oh my God, there's so much, there's so much. So yeah, I really appreciate you. And I said to you, you know, when I first met you, I was introduced to you through Wendy, Wendy Cohen, mm -hmm. my co-producer. And I got to take a look at some of the work that you were doing and got to check out some of your podcasts that you have, which is a fantastic podcast, Dropping Gems. Thank you. And I got to see you interviewed and I just felt so strongly when I saw you that not only are you a bright light, but you're a very important voice and heart consciousness for our time mm. right now. So I salute you and uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see Thank how you're you. doing right now in this crazy time that we're in. Um, and, oh. and yeah, all the things that we've all been going through. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And one, what a what a true pleasure and honor it is to be here and share this space with you. <sighs> you know, in this moment in time, I would say I'm having the time of my life. I I really feel that there is this energetic potential that is available to us in this moment with um, with some of the extremes that we're experiencing and we're making these collective shifts in really every category of the human experience, but specifically in the dismantling of all separateness and all systems of oppression. And so being alive in this time where like people's voices are powerfully coming back into them, where there is this remembrance of this wholeness, this dignity that existed ancestrally, um, it, it's just, it's a privilege to be alive right now. And I feel like not to say that this moment is without profound challenge because I think we are all being um, whew, stretched and challenged and um, called to become more in so many ways that can be perceived as painful very often. Um, if you lock into it, which I've really been working to do this last especially the last year, but really the last couple of years have been called to just deepen, deepen, deepen. Don't be scared to look at anything. And so having that openness for myself while also kind of like pulling in all of this energy that's available right now, I feel 
more purposeful than I've ever felt. I feel more healed than I've ever felt and I feel more clear than I've ever felt. And that is why you are an important voice for our time because what I love about what you've just said is obviously living in the world that we do and seeing the very diverse reactions and experiences that people are having right now mm. to what's going on on the planet. I think the common consciousness is to go down or to get sucked into fear or to go into the we're doomed side of things, which unfortunately will only ever create doom. And that's just the way that energy works. You know, if, if every single member of this planet right now thought that we were doomed, we would be doomed within mm. months. I mean, that's just the truth. So it's not to say just overly, uh, you know, whitewash everything with positivity because that's no good either. But what I love that you're speaking to because it's a truth that I experience is the amount of consciousness and light that's coming through right now doesn't just have to do what it's doing, which is illuminating all the dark. Mm. It can also help us transform the dark. And if you can only do that inside you, it will have a ripple effect on some of the dark that we're seeing outside ourselves that perhaps isn't transforming as quickly as we would like, which of course is the trap. You know, you just sit at the outside world and go, oh my God, it's all, you know, and then, and then you're just a spectator to something rather than yeah. part of it. So I, I love that you're bringing that through because it's that message right now is more needed in consciousness than most of the other messages that we're seeing on the planet. Mm, wow, thank you. What I'm hearing um, and what you're saying too is a, a quote for the ages from Rumi, which is, let darkness be your candle. Mm. And I remember when I first heard that, um, really not even fully understanding what that could mean, I knew there was deep, deep truth in it for me. And that was kind of... Um, my go-ahead to say, when, when I see pain, I will dive into it. You know, when I see darkness, I will run to it. And that, for me, created such an immense amount of freedom in the way that I experienced myself in my life. So how did you first come to what we, what we call the self-growth world mm. or the wellness world or the healing world? Because I know it was interesting when I, I, I had that really strong hit about you. Oh, she's a really important voice for this time. And then I later learned you started in radio. And I thought, mm. oh, funny that you and your voice went to radio first. But what was, the, what was the moment for you where healing and wellness became very conscious for you? Oh, wow. You know, I think by nature of my upbringing, um, and it's so funny, and I encourage everyone to just deep dive into your birth chart um, because it's so fascinating when we look at the themes of our life and the greater myth or story being told. And then it's like, oh, of course, that's why I was a lonely child. Or of course, that's why, you know, I found myself here. I did this. Um, I think, one, I came to this life with so much past life merit in many ways. I, I think I came to this incarnation with just a vast amount of experience being a teacher and a healer. Um, I think I was a divine psychologist in many lifetimes. But, you know, when I was a kid, I, I'm an only child. I was raised by a single parent, and I was a latchkey kid, which creates a really specific recipe for internal investigation, mm. um, which can also be challenging because you don't have all the language or the tools at that age. But Can I just say, yeah. so latchkey kid for non-Americans, because mm. I'd never heard that term before I moved here. It, it means basically that when you come home from school, you're letting yourself in yes. and you're taking care of yourself for a few hours rather than with your parent there, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and so for me that meant, and I was a latchkey kid off and on, but it started at six. Wow. And I would come home from first grade and kind of take care of myself wow. and keep myself safe. and. Um, and I was also gifted, you know, th those were kind of sporadic moments sometimes. Um, my mom did the absolute, absolute best that she was able to provide. But yeah, the nature of that is it's you and you. Mm. And what I found when I did even more um, investigation work around my childhood, it's that also creates um, a few really interesting contrasts because I think I didn't get to practice being myself with other people my age, with a peer group. And that's when you really are able to be silly and expressive and fun. So that's something that's come later to my life, play. It wasn't natural for me. Um, but on the flip side of that, I was always really deep. And I was always um, 
you know, I, I was reading at a really high level, really young, and I've always, it created in me this deep curiosity that is now my greatest superpower. Mm. Um, so I was the I was the young kid. I guess I say all that to say I was the young kid that was reading self help books at you know ten. Brilliant. That's <laughs> awesome. I was always fascinated by transformation specifically, or what compelled people to feel whatever they were feeling. And I think as a child, I really observed that many of the adults that I had access to were not making the highest choices for their lives. And that was really apparent to me. Like, I really recognized people that were not emotionally regulated really young. And even language that I've got now as I've studied psychology and, and different modes of healing, I was like, oh my God, I knew that so deeply at six. I recognized that and even met it with compassion at those ages. Um, so I say all that to say I've been awakening my whole life. Yeah. I've been coming online my whole life. Um, but it was really, I, I hit a moment, um, and that's actually how I met the amazing Wendy. I hit a moment where the practice that I had access to, the way that I was showing up, the way that I was always productive and strong for everyone in my life, people had been asking me for advice since I was maybe eight. I had adults coming to me with their questions about life, and I remember saying, I don't know, but all right, let me try. Let me see, what do you, what do you need to hear? What do I need to share? Um, but so when I was, uh, when I was actually in my mid twenties, I found the Chopra Center and that's where I learned how to meditate. And when I actually was given the structure of a practice, but specifically connecting to the Vedic path and lineage and connecting to those pieces that expand you that you don't have to think about, like using a Sanskrit mantra and allowing that frequency to move in your body. And that opened me up to the whole world of energy and even somatic therapy. And I needed that connection. And so that's when I, I really recognized myself as coming online in this world. Um, it's when I started making those connections between all of this like cognitive depth I had and understanding and in, and in creating safety for others and myself, and then bringing it into my body with all of these other practices and tools. Um, I think that's when I started taking up space in this way. Well, and that's interesting because, you know, I've, I've only met you in person today, mm. but the thing I was struck by within about a minute or two of meeting you is I was like, oh, she has so much elemental energy around her because mm. people's energy fields is my thing. And with you, it's like all of this yeah, all of this energy, elemental energy, Davic energy kind of comes with you. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So mm. was that, do you think that was active for you as a child? Or do you think that the practice mm. of meditation allowed you to stabilize that in your field? I'm, I'm just curious. Gosh, what a beautiful question to even come into for myself. Um, yes, I think on some levels without realizing what I'm coming to understand now is that I always had grasp of something. Hmm. There was always a protection. Um, my life has been really so many extremes that they just lead you to say, I am meant to catalyze all of these experience, experiences for the highest good of others. Like I have had one, a very lonely childhood. I had um, friends that were murdered over the course of my life, many in different ways. And I had just a lot of grief, just mm -hmm. a lot of constant grief around me. But I was still always able to rise. I was still always able to believe that there was more and really feel that. There was never a question to me that I wouldn't live a life that was boundless, even when I had no idea what that meant or looked like. And so all I can say is divine grace to that. All I can say is, you know, my sacred team was always around before I knew to, to call them out by name. Yeah. But I think in the way that I know it now, I think um, really starting around 2017 was when, 2016, 17, um, was when I just said, oh, there's so much more to me than I knew. Mm. There's so much more to me than I knew. Some of the things I had been running from and my own gifts and abilities, I just started saying, okay, I'm meant to use this. Yeah. How do I, now that I actually understand I'm meant to serve humanity, how do I use them? Um, so I do, I think, I do feel very divinely protected. Yeah. 
And, you know, my experience, this is just my experience, is having a lot of intuitive and psychic friends. You know, sometimes our connections are organized very differently. So even for me, even though I channel my guides, the Zs, I tend to experience them in kind of through one kind of tunnel of awareness to get to the group. Whereas you, it's like you come in with a whole party behind you. It's like there are wow. so many different. So it's interesting to hear perhaps that's been something you've owned more in the last four or five years. But it makes me realize why all the adults wanted to come and talk to you age eight. Ah. Because it's not necessarily that an eight-year-old is going to be able to give a 40-year-old <laughs> some, some wisdom that they might need that pertains to being 40. But the mm. energy field is what we're drawn to. And so what they were feeling in you is, is an energy of connection that they, that they wanted or trusted. So I'm imagining for the people that you now serve in your community, your online work, I'm imagining that one of the things that you do for people is hold that energy for them mm. and activate them into it for themselves. And mm. I'm, I'm wondering if, if, if that's what you hear back from them or? That is, yeah, that is what I'm noticing, absolutely, yeah. And it, it's so interesting to hear you say that. Thank you for that. Uh, it gave me the, the exact kind of deepening in that understanding that I, I think I've, I've really needed and that I'm, I'm starting to observe for myself right now. Um, you know, I think it, it's interesting. I, I've always been a polarizing force. And so what I found is that for the vast majority of my life, there's not an in-between. Um, it's either like, wow, I love you. Wow, I'm drawn <laughs> to you or I repel people. <laughs> right, right, right. And so even as a child, I had adults that really deeply disliked me as a child right. just for existing. And, you know, when I was working just with my human understanding of what it is to be here and be alive, it was devastating for me. It was incredibly, profoundly heartbreaking all the time. You just felt like, why can't I be received? Like, I'm just, I'm not doing anything. I just got here. I'm just, you know, I'm just existing. But now I see it as such a beautiful tool of my life. And now that I've built up really um, so much vast internal love for myself and acceptance for myself and my purpose, I can call it out by name as it happens. So mm -hmm. I've, I've even had the experience recently where, I, where I've noticed some energy with someone and I said, you know, I just want to let you know that I am a divine mirror for people. And so a way that you might be receiving me is it's truly an opportunity to investigate that because it isn't me. Um, and it yeah. opened up to such a powerful conversation for us. So I've been having fun kind of playing with what my edges are and, mm. and how, I, um, how I take up space. Well, it's interesting hearing you say all that because one of the things that's, that's certainly unique in you that I'm experiencing with you today, you have an unusual authentic confidence and I'm like, oh, I wonder what it is about authentic confidence that, that is triggering us. Like where in our world are we not allowed to be authentically confident? Because there's, a, there's, there's showy confidence, there's fake confidence, there's dominating confidence mm. where you're trying to make other people underconfident. But you actually just have an authentic confidence. Like you can sit here and share with us without reservation or Britishness, which is the programming I grew up under and have had to have been, you know, clawing my way out of ever since. Um, you just have an authentic confidence that isn't showy, but is very well held in the body. Mm. And mm. and so to me, that you sharing what you just shared, I'm like, oh, this is interesting because you telling us that some people have a negative reaction. That's the thing that I'm like, oh. Why are we so afraid as a society of authentic confidence? Mm. And we need to figure that out because that's why we're so drawn to inauthentic confidence that we often see in our leadership or our authority figures. You know, so why wow. can we not have love, somebody loving themselves in the confidence that they hold in the world? Why is it the love aspect that triggers us? Because I think that's it with, with you. It's just what I get. But yeah, very interesting. That's so interesting. You know, hmm, I would, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to savoring that when I make it home later because... <laughs> Me too, I'm going to think about yeah. it. Because like, no, it's a puzzle piece. It's a puzzle piece for us because in listening to you, I'm like, oh, this is something that, this is one of our sicknesses that we need to overcome wow. as a society. You know what I think it is too? And I, 
I hope this I hope this makes sense because I've been kind of rolling it over in my head, but I haven't had a chance to express it much. Um, speaking at least from the American perspective, like our country is founded on narcissism. Mm. Our country is founded on gaslighting. Very literally, it's when the denial of a reality or the vocalizing something, but it not actually being true, but we still keep saying over and over again that these things are true, like freedom. You know, like when we think of even the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution and the things that were said in that, it was always a performance. It was always about performing or accepting it for self, but denying it for others. And so even in the, the fibers of this country, the language of it, of all men are created equal, yet we have slaves, yeah. right? And like, what does that actually do to the human psyche? What does that actually do to the human spirit to live in hundreds of years of untruths, you know? And how can we actually be our most authentic selves in that? And, you know, obviously I think for some of us, the grand tool is the tool of awakening and being able to take yourself out of the system and zoom out or see in verticals. but. I think what we talk about love so much in society, we talk about family structures, but it's always performance up until now because when everyone has actually needed something, um, you're told to be quiet or people don't have the emotional literacy or tools to actually support you. No fault of their own, we're all doing yeah. our best, but that creates a really specific kind of barrier for each person that just ancestrally, generationally, over hundreds of years, it just compounds and compounds and compounds. Mm. And so I think what it really is, is there is this inherent built-in lack of trust of goodness and love, even though we can say it's what we want, even though we can perform it to a certain degree. And so when it really shows up in front of you, that feels like the thing that's wrong or untrue because it's setting something off inside that is what the authentic feeling is, a reflection is. And if you haven't had it, you can't feel like you can trust it. Beautifully said. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I was just um I was just in visiting some friends in another state. Uh literally two days ago, I was too friendly to a woman in the store and she pushed back on me. It was so funny. Wow. Yeah, I just I I I liked her. She was British. Um I I was just I, I don't know, I, I complimented her on something and then I was friendly about something else. And then she kind of like whacked me back energetically and put me in my place. And it was good because I think the old me would have just gone, oh, okay. And I would have just, and, and because she said, oh, no, you did it. I said, oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't being critical, actually. I was being complimentary, but no worries. I, I did kind of own what I'd done, but it was so interesting to walk away from that store. And my friends who are very intuitive were with me and they were like, what was her problem? And I just said, oh, I got too close too soon. Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, knowing how to boundary me, she had to push me back. And I was fine. Luckily, you know, I, you know it didn't harm me in any way. And I, I knew what was going on. But it was, it was another reminder to me of, of just how we will and won't receive each other mm. and, and why we turn the volume down. And, you know, I spent years turning my volume down. <laughs> so now I've, I, now I've learned when to kind of open it up. It's like, oh, moments like that, fine. A door is closed, but I don't want to not lead with that again when I next feel to. And I think yeah. that's where holding your boundary or, or knowing how to lovingly hold a boundary when those moments happen can, can kind of help you maintain that feeling. I don't know, that just comes to me listening to what yeah. you just so beautifully said. That, gosh, I, I resonate with that so deeply. Um, the way that I've experienced it sometimes is like when I was a kid, a comment I used to get, I really love to smile. It's my jam. I like, I like having enthusiasm yeah. for myself in my life, yeah. you know? And, um, but I remember when I was a kid and, and, a, and an adult woman, actually, something I would get very often um, was, why are you always smiling? You're always so happy. Oh, there she goes, always smiling. And it was, I'm, I'm not trying to be like trivial with it, but that was like, the it would always come with an eye roll and it would always yeah. come with this kind of like, like it was bothering people, yeah. you know? And yeah. it was so interesting because I, as relation to that, I, I would just smile less or I started saying, okay, like maybe, okay, I don't know, but maybe I need to be less. I need to be smaller. I need to be more hardened. And something I've fallen so 
deeply in love with um, in this season of my life is being so soft anyway. Mm. And just, and not also allowing it, because I think what people people assume is when you, when you do something that's led from your heart and then you receive that blowback, that you then have to um, take that energy on or that you even have to be against that person. And I just greet all of it with compassion now because yeah. I'm like, I understand that if you have not experienced this, it does feel really radical and unsettling. And that's okay, you know? Yeah. And when, you know, having led a lot of workshops and done lots of one-on-one -on -one sessions, I remember having some conversations with a few people that I was, I was, I was training really around that work at the time. And one of them was like, oh, I'm just gonna blast them with love. And I, and I was like, no, you don't do that. They will tell you. They will tell you what they can receive because you don't know how they can or can't sustain that when they go home. Ooh. And if, if you wow. open someone in, in a really profound way, and again, you're only helping them open, you're the conduit, you're the, you know, but if you forcibly open someone who then goes home to a bunch of toxic relationships mm. and a really, a really tough life, that bridge, that fall from grace, that that way of of being able to support that opening is going to be hard for them. So you know, it's like with this with this woman, I just felt very compassionate for her. Mm. Um, you know, just said, oh, I wasn't. You know, no, actually, it was a compliment, but no worries. I didn't take her on, but at the same time, like you said, I I, I felt for her because I was like, okay, I don't know why you're where you are, um, and it's fine. You don't want to join with me, but. But there is, there is a compassion that's needed, definitely. And I, I think um, sometimes in the boundary world, yeah. and I know I did this at the beginning with boundary work. <laughs> it's like, are you laying a boundary or are you getting revenge? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, well, oh I'll God. show you my boundary. And you know, and I did it. Like, you know, when I was, when I had like had no boundaries for so long, I had to, I came back a bit hard at first. And now I look back and I see my youth in that in that stage of growth and now yeah. it's it's a little easier to be not so knocked but it's a fascinating world when you look at it that way but again with you what i see and enjoy with you is the otherness of who you are mm. because the elemental side of you was immediately what i encountered and that's lovely for someone like me who lives in that world as well but what I almost feel like we're talking about here is, are we allowed to not be human? Mm. And what we have all as human beings defined humanity should be. Wow. No, you shouldn't smile. No, no, I've not met anyone who smiles like that. No, we need to hammer that out of you. We're humans. We don't smile that much. Wow. You know, it's like, well, actually, how the hell do you know? There's a lot of us <laughs> on the planet. We're all very unique. We're all supposed to surprise each other. But I think one of the problems we've got right now is will we or won't we break down the rigidity of what we have been told we should be or become? Mm. Or will we just keep diminishing ourselves, which I think is kind of the edge that we're on right now in the world. Mm. Will we allow ourselves to be diminished? Or will we allow ourselves to be surprised by each other, surprised by the world and and let our otherness through. Mm. And for me, it's a resounding yes. There, there is no alternative in my mind. It, it's all about rising to the occasion. That's mm. kind of how I look at things. I, I see it, what is presented, and then I rise to it. This moment in time that's being presented, it is, dare I say, having only been alive X amount of years, it's the most powerful time in human history. Right. <laughs> But it really feels like it is to me. And not specifically because we have the energy that we have on this planet. That has happened before in varying degrees or ways. But it is the shift in our structure that's happening. We've shifted structures in the sense of like industrial revolution or, you know, um, we've shifted structures at points in the beginning of civil rights, which we're really deepening and expanding now finally. But... You know, for me, what is so fascinating is watching the domino effect of how we extend healing to various groups in this moment that have never had it before. Yes. And it really started, I believe, with the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. That has been one of the most powerful catalysts for awakening, and it had to be dismantled that way. This is what I have chills. Yep. This is what's, um, mm, all right, let's get into it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, something I think about so often is 
the silence of women. And I, I have this like personal research project I'm doing in my own mind around who was the first man to change the paradigm and to take us out of the matriarchy. Mm. And how did that happen? Because it literally went from this to such a far end of the spectrum. Like it wasn't just slowly we were coming in and then men started taking up space in different ways and then went, no, it literally is like at one moment in time, all of women's rights, respect, dignity um, were stripped in, across societies globally in many ways, with exception of indigenous practices that were reserved and held by people who were living um, in more isolation. But, and it's fascinating how almost all religious structures were created in different areas in similar timeframes, obviously similar stories, but all without women. When you think of the Bible, and I am absolutely from the lineage of Christ consciousness, when you think of the Bible, you think, why were women so minimized? And why didn't Mary Magdalene have her own gospel in here? Why doesn't Divine Mother have her gospel in here? They were co-teachers with Christ. Why has that been stripped from the record? Um, and so when I see the, the Me Too movement happening, it's, it's just such a profound shift in awakening because it was the beginning of reestablishing women's voices. When women's voices are reestablished, when we are able to connect to softness, when we are able to be heard and expressed and come out of this gaslighting, this belief that we're being protected yet no one wants to protect, mm -hmm. right? And this like forced path of martyrdom, which keeps women so stuck in themselves and just in these roles of doing and providing and birthing. When that clears up, it creates a channel for everything else to come up. When there is listening in that space, it creates like this universal permission. Um, and so I think as, as women, as we have been reclaiming our voices and using them powerfully and calling out behaviors and not just, oh, well, that's how it is. Yeah. Now we're seeing that happen collectively, truly like a domino effect. It's like, okay, now we're all gonna put all eyes on this grouping, all eyes yes. on this grouping, which doesn't mean everything is healed and solved. Mm -hmm. It is the beginning, mm -hmm. it is the beginning. Um, but it's incredible. Well, it's funny because one of the things that I really resonated with that I heard you say in an interview I was listening to with you, with you um, and it's to do with basically, you, I'll, I'm paraphrasing, but perhaps you can, you can be clearer about the sentence. You were talking about people of color and how they have never been allowed to be safe in their bodies mm. because of all of the trauma uh. and the lack of safety that they have been offered. So I'm, I'm guessing you specifically were speaking about this country. In, in the reason I bring that up is I remember when I first um, met Stephen, I went through a very fast education around the African-American experience here, mm. which is very different to racism in the UK. Mm -hmm. They have a very different structure. They have a very different history. So one of the things that I started to see through and feel through him and then through other friends of color that I had was just how much I didn't understand about their experience because I'd never, I, you know, I can't, I haven't walked those shoes walked in those shoes. But when you said in this interview that one of your great joys is helping people to reclaim mm. their inner relationship with mindfulness, meditation, self-love, to really love this body again because society yeah. hasn't loved this body and quite the opposite in many ways for a long time. So that was a real, uh, a beautiful light bulb moment for me when I heard mm. you say that because I knew the truth of it but I had never quite heard it expressed in those words, which again is why what you're doing is so important because I feel like often we need to give voice to these things so these things become real because we're still a very uh, language-based society. Often the language is, is how things seed in us and then we can start to feel it. So I wonder if you could elaborate on that because I thought that was very, very important. Thank you so much for that. Um... You know, I want to ground it in, in sharing this vision that um, I experienced a few years ago. Uh, one, of my, one of my friends who is a powerful, powerful 
intuitive and she facilitates family constellation therapy. I remember in one of my first experiences with her, the first thing that happened um, was a lot of my maternal ancestral line came. They arrived and they all appeared behind me, but they all arrived and shared themselves as being bound and gagged. Mm. And the resounding message that came through in that moment was every time you use your voice, it frees us. Mm. And so when I heard that, it really shifted everything about the way that I do my work. And I don't even think I realized it till this moment because I just said, well, I will never be quiet again. Like every thought that I savor, I'm gonna say out loud in some way. And if it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't have ego tied to it, but it will be said. And so I think, you know, what I started noticing when I when I came into this world in this space and I launched my business in, I think it was 2015 or 2016, um, you know, the, the community that I primarily served also on the radio was the African-American and the Latinx community. Mm. That's also the community that I'm a part of and that I grew up in and I know very well. And when I would go to teach, and we've all kind of caught up on our language now, like we all maybe kind of have some foundation of wellness, of mindfulness, um, just really in the last year. But just a couple years ago, this, you know, I was accused of all kinds of things. Like people thought I was a voodoo doctor or a witch or, because I was just teaching basic level meditation. All my guests hadn't even come on board yet. I'm like, yeah. look at me now. You have no idea. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it was interesting because I would go to teach in my community and I would have like these mindful meetups or I'd speak or I'd have, you know, these different offerings. And every time I'd be in a room, and half the room couldn't close their eyes. Half the people I'd say, okay, now let's gently close our eyes. And I would look and the faces would be, like not even just, you know, observing, but like eyes like really on high alert, mm -hmm. like body is still rigid. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I did that and I was a new teacher at the time. And so I was like, Ugh, why doesn't everyone close their eyes? I said, close your eyes, am I not a good teacher? You know, and then I started exploring it and I was just like, oh my God, it's safety. Mm. Even though we are in a room, even though we're in a really safe container that I've created, there is this feeling that with my eyes closed, just me with myself, I am unsafe. Something could still happen. So when I started walking that back and, and now we're having very expansive in the last year conversations about traumas and complex post-traumatic stress and big T, little t and all the things that can constitute as um, being traumatic and the ways that they're felt, those conversations weren't happening then. And I remember just saying, there's more to this, there's more to this. And so I started studying trauma and I really was led to start studying ancestry. And it's like, yeah, you know, depending on your experience, but especially, especially if you are a black person in this country, um, but also anyone that has experienced trauma it is in, it's in your cells, right? And if you come from an ancestry that was rooted in slavery, atrocities occurred in slavery. What's told in school is that, oh, you worked and then you, yeah, but you made all this bounty. And, you know, it's told in such a simplified kind of romantic, nostalgic way. Yep. The brutality of it, mm. the brutality of being stripped from your belief system, your family, your religion, even coming over on the boat, the fear that you had to internalize and then you arrive someplace and have no idea where you are and have no way to communicate and have no way to ever make it back to where you're from, absolutely ever, which then goes on for hundreds of years. Mm. What do we think that could mean mm. to the human experience? What do we think that could mean to ourselves, to our DNA structure, you know? it's. You think about the fact that for women, you have been brutalized for hundreds of years. Rape, constant rape, childbirth, and then your child being ripped from you, being forced to lactate for decades so that you could take care of other children while not being having access to your own. It's like the depth of brutality, the amount of literally not being able to exist in your body because the depth of pain is so severe, never to be healed for 
hundred, for centuries, for centuries. We are just talking about this now for centuries, you know? And so that collective experience, um, and then you, you combine that with whatever your own life and spiritual curriculum is meant to be in this world, in this moment, in this incarnation. And I don't know how we've done it. I don't know how we've survived. Like right now, it, it, and I know it all serves purpose, but it breaks my heart even like saying this out loud. And so when I approach my teaching, when I approach the way that I want to show up for people, it's just not about me at all. It's not about even meditate and do this. Yes, I want everybody to do that. But for the connection it can create to yourself, like we deserve real freedom, not just peace, not just less stress. We deserve to live inside of ourselves and have a reunion of being safe, of being able to even touch your own body, of being able to soothe yourself, you know? And it's interesting because especially within the African-American community, so many things that weren't given the term ritualistic practice are in fact really these divine tools from God, like caring for our hair, learning how to care for our scalps, creating butters and oils, and all of the radical resiliency it took to stay alive and to do things like eat and care for your body. You had to create with literally nothing but it also taught you different ways of being with you, different ways of showing tenderness, different ways of showing love, even if that energy wasn't available. Um, so I'm just, I mean, I'm in, I'm in awe. I'm in awe, but also I'm just in service to doing more of that for people. Hallelujah. I mean, everything, yeah. It, it, it what you what you bring into the conversation with all of the detail you give us, one of the things that... One of the things that I found really interesting in the last couple of years when we have all been experiencing, witnessing and hearing the surfacing of this trauma and names given to it. And, mm. you know, one thing I said to a, a white friend of mine a little while ago was I said, I don't remember a time when all of us were focused on this, aware of this, and it, and it wasn't just because it was in the news, it was like the energy was rising for mm. the healing. And sure, it's messy, and you still see people wanting to deny it. You know, we, we, had, we had, to, had to remove someone from our community, the portal, because she wouldn't hear how her insensitivity was aggravating so many of our mm. members around the death of George Floyd. And she had a whole other story around it. And th that wasn't the problem. We're all gonna have different stories. But when me and members of my team went to her to point out why aggressively responding back to people who were processing through emotion was just empathically insensitive, whatever you think about what's going on, she just couldn't hear it. And um, so I removed her from the group, and there was that was the last straw. But it was it was what we had to do. Wow. And yet we'd never seen anything like that before. And what I was noticing was just the raw vulnerability of all of it. Because when trauma does first come up and starts to surface, it can shock, overwhelm, or horrify people who don't want to deal with it. Which is why the gaslighting, the separation happens. Mm or it can internally overwhelm those who are processing and dealing with it. And for my friends of color, what I witness and feel in a lot of their bodies, whenever anything else like this is going down in the world right now, and we all hear about it, learn about it, I literally witness the re-traumatization and feel it in their bodies. And I'm like, man, this is, you know, this is a super intense, but it's also something that has to surface because if we don't deal with it, all of us, one thing that I did say to a, someone I didn't know very well, but they were white and they were arguing about things, which is fine. You know, we, we all understand where that comes from and hopefully we can find ways to. Uh, what I said to them that did finally hit them between their eyes is I said, well, this isn't actually not about you because if that can happen to one group mm. of us, 
whatever the color of our skin or our gender or our sexuality. So that can happen to any of us. So we're living on a planet where this level of injustice and this level of brutality and this level of enslavement is going on everywhere in many different ways. And if you think you're separate from it, yeah, that, that would scare you to look at that. Mm. And that was the moment that she looked, she kind of, but it is hard. It's, I think it's hard for all of us, but at the same time, it has to surface to heal as messy and as complicated and as, uh, as raw as it is. And, you know, I think for some people, it's also coming to terms with the fact that life is a lie, <laughs> mm. you know, and that's painful. And I understand that there's grief to be had in that. Um, a friend of mine was sharing that there father-in-law um, has been really grieving his idea of Americana because mm. he is one, he's someone who loved, loved, loved and celebrated yeah. being from this country and found this connection and, you know, um, the big flags and it gave, it gave a united experience. It gave something to believe in. And so seeing things that you never saw because you didn't have your eyes fully open or weren't maybe experiencing people regularly that did not look, sound, and behave as you, there's real grief in that, and I understand that. Um, but, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, there is so, so much, and only more is going to come to the surface, because I think some of the things that I expressed of recognizing why so many people are so hypervigilant with self, um, that I didn't even scratch the surface in what I just shared of the depth of trauma that exists for people, the depth of um, horrors that have occurred. You know, I, I didn't even speak about all of the um, medical torture that has been experienced by black people over history and black women over history. And, you know, it's, it's so layered and it's so much. It's so much. And it's interesting because it kind of brings us back to almost the beginning of the conversation where we were talking about grief, because with you sharing about the grief of your Americana friend, mm -hmm. and I also think that one of the most difficult things about this year that we're in and these past few years and the years ahead is, is like you said, people realizing the lie, because mm. it's hard to see the lie in the system or in uh, the way that things are structured. And as it all starts to crumble down, that I think is the great challenge of this time. Do you, mm. do you get lost in grief? Because I know for me, 13, 14 years ago, looking a little, un little more under the hood of the world, it, w yeah. you know, it, was, it was grief stricken. You know, the, m the more I started to learn and see certain things differently, mm. you, know, you do lose your innocent dream of what you thought life was. Mm. But I think it's also equally important that those of us who can support those who are in grief, shock, horror right now about everything going <laughs> on in the world, not just you yeah. know people of color, and, but I think the people who are resistant to see certain things that are going on right now uh, or don't wanna see it or it's yeah. a little, unco I, I totally respect that. And I think as they go through their shock with the more lies that get revealed, I think that's why I kept hearing this message I shared with you between 2017 and 2019, you are needed and now is your time. It was a message that for healers, mm. whether you are a healer who calls yourself a healer mm -hmm. or whether you are just someone who's been around the block with all this stuff and it's no longer new to you, mm. sure, you're going through all the waves we all are by actually seeing it play out, but it's not destabilizing you to the degree that you can't be a stabilizing force for others. Mm. And that that's so important right wow. now. It's like, we're all in this mess and we all have very unique experiences of the mess and historical experiences of the mess. Mm -hmm. But the question is, while we're in this very wobbly healing sea, how do we rise in the moment or in the day or in the week? And then as a group, we have a chance of, of rising slowly but surely. You know, it's so cool. It, it's just how everything always mirrors each other because when we think about our own spiritual process of coming into healing, coming into awakening, it really is about releasing our own stories and our own limiting beliefs, right? And there is profound grief that comes with that for each of us, especially if you are locked into some of that 
heavier inner child work and you're you know, revisiting the foundations of why you believe what you believe about yourself. And that's just what we're being, what we're seeing play out on such a larger collective stage. And I think what, for the people that are in, that are really stuck in an againstness about this moment, it's so interesting because really what I'm seeing is part of the reason they can't complete that grander karmic cycle or, or let go of the story of their privilege or their story of the country is you can't do what you haven't applied inside. And so if you're not willing to even do that disarming, um, it really will feel incredibly impossible to come into a peace with anyone else's experience or with what, um, what we're witnessing kind of take place. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Debbie, it's funny, you know, I was supposed to be interviewing another guest this afternoon and because of a scheduling issue, it got taken off the slate. And now I know why, because I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to have to sit and marinate in all of the <laughs> all of the richness of this. It, it would have been a shame if I'd been distracted uh, because, yeah, just uh, profound, just a really mm. thank you for a really profound conversation. But perhaps even more importantly, thank you for bringing your profound energy, which I know takes vulnerability and courage. And like we've, like we've shared, it's not always welcome. It can trigger people, but um, yeah, I know I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna be uh, moving through this, this download for the, for the rest of the day and days. So mm, what an honor for me. Yeah. Well, I guess before we finish our conversation, which I do not want to end. I know, like how did all the time know, go by already? <laughs> Linear time, huh? We'll, we'll carry on this conversation in other ways, I know. But I guess I would like to ask you, we're going to circle back to where we started, which is the importance of, even with everything we're talking about with the world right now, the importance of aligning with the purpose the light, the consciousness, and the high energy of these times. Well, you're doing that, and you've been doing that, and we haven't even mentioned that you you went from being a guest at the Chopra Center to being the chief impact yeah. officer at the <laughs> Chopra Center. Um, I'm going to ask you a two-part question, really, about the work and the journey of your work. Was stepping into this work for you uh, easy uh, or were there certain challenges that you had that perhaps our viewers or listeners might also be bumping up against mm. in themselves as they step out and use their authentic voice, their authentic gifts, however that looks right now? And I'm, if there's anything you could share that might be of use to, to mm. those tuning in, I think that would be a gift for people who are stepping forward right now. Oh, wow. Oof, okay. Let me see, how can I? connect to that. I think, um, I feel, I feel both actually. Um, I had a lot of deep knowing my whole life without having a clear vision of what it was. I guess my way, I guess I'll start this by saying, um, I always knew I was signing up for a very interesting life. Didn't know what that meant, but as a kid, I was just like, life is going to be fascinating. I'm going to be the little old woman with so many stories. That's how I used to say it to myself. When I'm old, I'm gonna have so many stories. Um, and I didn't know what that meant, but I feel grateful that I have mostly listened to the whispers. And so what I found is that in investigating what my natural abilities are, what has natural ease to it, and following that, as opposed to following the way I think that things need to look, the way that they're perceived or the way other people are doing them. I don't connect to anybody else, really. I don't, I don't look at a lot of um, what's someone doing and what they're doing. And I don't watch television. I don't listen to the radio. Like I have a very kind of specific way of being. Um, but I would say for everyone, that is what allowed me to stand in this moment of my life. It was building my recipe of what is my container. When I, when I tune out from all the noise, when I get away from this very um, human experience of comparing and contrasting, and when I create what my container is and I show up for myself in that container, everything else has such ease that I can't not do it. 
Um, and so while I know that that is hard to connect to if you have not yet, I would say, and this, this not to be oversimplified, but building your recipe of self, just beginning to know what feels good and supportive for myself during the day. When we start to show up for ourselves in the crevices, when we start to approach ourselves without judgment um, and do actual like meaningful nourishing things for ourselves, it allows you to stand in purpose. It allows you to understand that you can be complex and layered. Like if you were to look at my life on paper, it's bizarre. <laughs> like I have no idea how I, how I exist in the way that I do now, but at the same time, it also makes perfect sense. Um, so I think, you know, something I love doing for me is I'm always looking at what is the larger story that's being told about my life? What are the themes? What are the patterns? What are, what are the myths? Um, and then really even spending time noticing that um, in other figures or, you know, connecting to different archetypes to invoke certain ways of being, um, that is a part of my daily life. And so that allows me to, I really think, find comfortability in what I know I'm called to do. That is the hardest piece. And people call it a lot of different things, fear of success, fear of failure, fear, but it's all what are our own limitations, what are our own againstness of us. Um, and so I think that I'm able to stand in myself um, really because I'm also willing to love myself when I don't feel lovable. Mm. And I'm willing to just constantly live in my cre crevices. I examine my mind all day long, all day, all day. And not in an exhaustive way, in like yeah. a deeply curious way, you know? And so I think when you can begin to look at yourself with fascination for how you exist, fascination for how you have survived, um, it really kind of just naturally unlocks everything. And you find that your purpose is really found in the simple, easy things about your personality. Powerful, beautiful, love it. And I identify with so much you said. Um, so I guess moving on now with where you're going, let's say the next six to 12 months in mm. terms of you as a, let's say a creative force in the world. And of course, I mean, sure, the work you're doing, but also just you as a human who's evolving. Mm. And we touched right before we started on this uh, conversation, you and I shared that we both were having a bit of a resonance with endings in our life and rebirths. Yeah. And kind of examining things that, you know, you're like, oh, I need to stop doing this, which might be surprising, or I need to reinvent it. And for me, often the process is I have to think I'm stopping to be willing to reinvent it in a drastic, a drastic way, which literally has just happened in the last 24 hours. So I know for you, you're feeling a, some different calling for the next mm. six to 12 months. So if there's anything about that, that you, that you would like to share with us as to what you're intending and cultivating in the next six to 12 months, we'd love to hear that. I'm, I'm really just kind of steeped in magic right now. And I wanna share so much more of that. I really want to, um, I want to bring all of like the juicy, vibrant inner life I've cultivated for me and all of the ritual and all of the kind of energetic exchange. Um, I want to bring that forward in my work much more. And I want to do, I really want to create a container to allow other people to unlock and invoke that in themselves. Um, we are our own healers, you know, and my desire is not to be a guru for people and it's not to be um, a projection for people. It's I am healing and loving myself so deeply that I'm able to radiate that out as an invitation for others. And so I want to be a lighthouse, but I want to be a lighthouse that equips you in a way to set off on your own journey. And you are, and you do, and it's such an honor to sit with you today, and you have literally made my week. 
Thank you so much. This was so good. <laughs> and um, I know that for anyone who wants to tune into more of what you do, there are so many different ways. I mean, you 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 teach, you have the Dropping Gems podcast, you have a, a book all about crystals and their magic. Um, there's so many things, but if, if they were to go to deviebrown.com, is that the best place for people to find you? Yeah, or hit me up on Instagram if you're on IG, just at deviebrown, universally across the board, that's my handle. Um, and yeah, start with my podcast, I think. Really start with my podcast, Dropping Gems um, in the Apple Store, wherever you listen. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. Thank and you. I know this isn't the end of our conversation, oh, no. but for today, oh, no. we, will, we will pause here. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. What a beautiful episode. Do go check out DeviBrown.com to find all of the goodness from Debbie. And we will see you next time on Impact the World. Hi, I'm Lee. I'm an intuitive, a channeler, a musician, and you may know me from my monthly free energy updates that go out on YouTube and Facebook. You may know me from the Impact the World podcast, but I wanted to introduce you to my members community, The Portal. We've been a community now for eight years, and my mission and the mission of my team every single month is to bring you wellness content, metaphysical content, anything that's going to support your life as a sensitive, as a healer, as someone who is newly awakening, but also to ground it in reality. So every month we bring you various tools to help you survive, thrive, and expand your life. I know many of you are out there bringing your own special gift or light to the world. And the portal is a hub that we hold along with our community members to support you on your mission. Every month I do a live energy tune-up broadcast. It's 90 minutes long. It allows me to go deeper on some of the energies that month and how they are affecting our specific portal community. I also take Q&A. I answer questions from my intuitive standpoint, and I also answer questions from my guides, the Zs, who I channel. These live tune-ups are always available within 24 hours, so if you can't make it live, you will always have the replay to go back and watch again, or to use the timestamps to visit a specific question that you heard that you wanted to replay the answer for. Every month, we will bring you a brand new audio recording. I often keep our community at the top of my mind when I'm creating a new channeled MP3 or a new energy alchemy meditation. And these are always scored and supported by the music of sound healer Davor Bozik. I also do several private behind the scenes video diaries. Sometimes these are what we're creating and what's going on here at the studio, but other times it might just be me at home talking about things that I'm noticing really designed to give you and I an intimate conversation that I wouldn't otherwise put out there into the wider world. Stephen Washington brings you a special body energy update every single month. So Stephen is my husband and he is also an amazing Qigong and wellness teacher. So I asked him several years ago to start creating some body medicine for us. So he takes the themes of that month's energy update and he expands upon them and gives you a sequence of Qigong movements that are very gentle and easy for beginners, but it's a way of alchemizing what we're going through and he does it beautifully. So many of our members love that component. Stephen also has many meditations inside the portal, which you can access anytime. And we are expanding our meditation library as these months go on. You receive a welcome bonus of the Intuitive Power live event. So if you've never seen a live event of ours, we had an incredible film crew document our London Intuitive Power event in 2019. And you'll get all five hours of that content as soon as you sign up. And finally, we curate special monthly Spotify playlists. Two different kinds, music to move you, so things that are a little more dancey, and music to soothe you, things that are designed to help your nervous system calm. We love introducing you to new music, and this is curated by our whole team. The Classics Library is another important cornerstone of the portal. It gives us an opportunity to bring you eight different MP3 recordings from my vast library 
but we curate them as to the titles that might be perfect for you at this time. So if you want some extra audio, you can go into the Classics Library and pick a topic that suits you. Alongside several discounts to Portal members, our favorite thing is the energy of our community. So we have a private forum only available to members where you can share with each other, discuss, and learn from each other. So the portal really is a world unto itself and it will keep expanding as the years go on. But there are some of our members who love every single aspect of the portal and there are some who are there just for two or three things. So if you want to try it out for a month and see if it's for you, you can do that because membership is available to cancel anytime. And we look forward to welcoming you in the portal if you choose to experience what it is that we are curating and creating for you here.